Well, when North Carolina and the Citadel get together, throw out the record books. You never know what's going to happen. Jackson Watkins, Biscuits. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shea. Joining me as he does every Wednesday is our guy, Coach Pack Kilby, fresh off a victory in his own team's game tonight. Congrats, Coach. We want to thank you for making us your first listen or watch of the day to help make sure that you get your best Tar Heels content every single day today's episode is brought to you by omaha steaks a gift from the heart that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite order with complete confidence today knowing you're ordering the very best visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code locked on at checkout to get that extra money off your order Woo! pack 100 to 64 uh it's the citadel but it is what it is carolina looks like carolina by the way thanks to power swish on youtube for giving me that cold open i said i don't care what happens in this game i'm saying throw out the record books when these two teams get together and so that's exactly what we did but Seriously, we want to start our conversation today with the biggest takeaway of the day. We'll get next into our four corners recap, as we always do, the shady stat of the game. And then Pack and I are going to have a conversation about how you build on a game like this. And so the biggest takeaway is that this was North Carolina basketball. The Tar Heels did exactly what they needed to do in this game. Yes, I know Citadel. the Citadel cut it to one at one point in the first half. But Coach Davis is trying various lineups and combinations and and different sets and things like that. And so you just don't pay too much attention to that. If it had been uh, a game where he's using regular rotations, that's not a thing. But like for me, I was watching, is Carolina going to cover this 26 and a half points? They absolutely did. And so uh, where I want to start with it is this, Pac. When we say that was North Carolina basketball, here's two reasons I mean that, and then I'll see where you want to take it off of that. The Tar Heels, as I said, scored 100 points in this game. And in so doing, no one had more than 17. Caleb Love was the leading scorer with 17. That points distribution is so encouraging to me. Secondly, I have bemoaned the lack of assist percentage throughout the early part of this season, but we saw the highest single game percentage of the season against Georgia tech on Saturday, 55.6%. And they blew that out of the water tonight. Carolina assists on 24 of their 32 made field goals, 75%. And Oh, by the way, in the first half, they assisted on 13 of 14 made field goals. Peck, what does that say to you about this team? Well, you know, I mean, we've kind of had those discussions about how we've looked like a team that's playing like one-on-one and Mm. teams are really breaking down our offense and making us play that way. Because you can key on it, yeah. Yeah, and tonight, you know, obviously that didn't happen. We were sharing the basketball. We were getting the right looks. Um, You you know, you look at the the box score and you see a well-balanced team. You see a bunch of guys that scored and contributed (laughs) – you see 42 bench points. You see 
Um, no one scored more than 17, but the team scored 100. That's what Carolina basketball looks like. And you kind of already alluded to it, but just the unselfishness, the extra passes, the, you know, Caleb Love setting the tone with, with the six assists and no turnovers and just the way he shared the ball tonight, I think set the tone for everybody else as he always kind of does for us. Mm. So, um, you know, I think just, just to me, that's, that's a huge starting point. I understand who our opponent was, <laughs> but it's a starting point for us moving forward, a building block, if you will. And, and you know what? I will build on that building block. I, and I think you're right. Caleb is absolutely the tone setter in this because so many times, so many times, like it or not, if we want to say like you and I have said so much, like this needs to be RJ Davis's team. Despite that, as Caleb goes so often do the heels. And uh, I know I had said after the, the Portland game, the first game of the PKI, that was the most balanced game I had seen for him maybe in his career. But tonight certainly rivaled that. Let me just remind everyone of Caleb Love's stat line in this game. Six of 10 on field goals. That in the Portland game, the only two games this season where he's over 50% from the field. Four of six from three. That's the most he's made in a game this season. And it's the second highest percentage. He was three of four in that Portland game. Three rebounds, one of one from the free throw line. But Pac, as you said, the single biggest factor in this entire thing. I don't care how many field goals he had. I don't care how many he made. Same with three points. The fact that Caleb Love led this team second game in a row. He's led the team, by the way, in assists with five or more. Six assists and goose egg in the turnover column. Like if, if Carolina can get that Caleb Love let's say 75% of their basketball games, that is a massive recipe for success going forward. And a prime example of this whole thing for me is there was a play in the first half where Caleb, I can't remember if it was he got the um, rebound or somebody kicked it out to him. I'm trying to remember. Okay, I, I found, I wrote it in my notes. 10.30 left in the first half. He got an offensive rebound and could have put it back up kind of a mid-range shot, but he found Mondo for a wide open dunk. Um, and it's like that that Caleb Love, God bless him, is awesome, right? And so when you see Caleb operating at that level, why is it, why is it that that sets the tone for the rest of the team? And I think I'm asking Coach Pack that when you have like your most, the, the player that of his caliber that everyone looks to, why is that such a big deal that as he goes, so the team goes? Well, I mean, to me, I think you just got to be honest about it and say, you know, on the nights when he's not, you know, finding his teammates and distributing, what's happening is he's taking bad shots. Mm. I mean, let's let's just be real about it. Like, yeah. Yeah. let's look back at the Alabama game and you see – I think, what, 36 shot attempts? And how many of those were good? Hardly any of them. And so um, when you get a Caleb Love that's getting his team to not settle for good shots but find great ones, then you start to get a different basketball team and everybody else picks up on it and everybody else is sharing the rock and everybody else is doing their thing. So to me, Caleb is like – I mean, it's just a huge deal because he does take the majority of our shots. He does – um, our offense does kind of flow through him in the sense that he's probably, you know, he's the guy that's that's taken on that mantra of 
I'll be the leader. I'll be the dog. I'll be the guy that takes the shot in the end. So by nature, he's the, he's the leader. And um, when he decides we're going to pass the ball, we're going to share the ball, we're going to move it around, then everybody else kind of follows suit. That's a good word. And and as uh, as a great point to what you just said, Pac, Carolina as a team had 12 turnovers. They've done a pretty good job keeping those in the low double digits most of the season. But the backcourt, your three main ball handlers, only had two of those 12. Uh, we already talked about Caleb, six and none. RJ Davis, three assists, one turnover. Uh, Seth Trimble, career high five assists and just one turnover. So you got a combined six, nine, 14 assists and two turnovers for your three primary ball handlers. You're going to win a lot of basketball games if you're doing things that way, Pack. I am not even remotely joking about that. Well, folks, as always in our game recaps, we want to bring you the Four Corners recap in an ode to Dean Smith plus the shady stat of the game. We're going to do that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Christmas is just under two weeks away, but I can already taste the incredible steak my family is going to eat together on Christmas Day as we gather around the table. It's just something we do every family as a Christmas, and this year is no different. Pack, how do you like your steak cooked? Medium rare. Medium rare. Man, you like it mooing. I'm close. I'm a medium guy, but every now and again, I get risky and I do it. Uh, If you're watching the show, let us know how you cook your steak. Pack. This deal is insane from Omaha Steaks. They've cut prices to 50% off site-wide to make you the gift-giving hero that you always wanted to be. The holidays are here, and you can achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. They got everything you need to give a gift that's simply perfect. You can send an assortment of mouth-watering favorites, including the Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, and all sorts of stuff. So don't wait. Order today and beat that shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use promo code locked on at checkout. Omaha Steaks, it's a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. So visit omahasteaks.com to take advantage of that 50% off site wide. Plus, use promo code locked on at checkout to get an extra 40, not 30, like it says down in the corner over there, $40 now off your order. A minimum order may be required. Pack, I might have to hit that up myself, man. That's a good deal right there. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, folks, here we go. Four corners recap to the game. It's what we always do to honor Coach Dean Smith and his famed four corners offense. Number one, one of the things you got to just do in a game like this is not give an overmatched opponent any help. And that's exactly what Carolina did. Point number one, the Heels got off to a great start in this game. They had 13 points already by the first media timeout. They scored points on their first five possessions. And Pac, honestly, the coolest thing I thought about that was that it was in five different ways. Um, The first possession, RJ took a three, missed Armando offensive rebound, kick out to Caleb for an in rhythm three. And that was my first clue that he was going to be off and running in this game. Uh, Second possession, uh, leaky cut baseline. I don't even remember who found him, but nice layup uh, that's a little bit contested. And then next possession, Nance, uh, top of the key three. I can't remember if it was in secondary break or what the play was. 
but it, it was, you know, in with very much in the rhythm. It was early shot clock. You love it. Uh, possession four, Armando Baycott, two free throws, boom, boom, hit them both. And then uh, on the fifth possession, Caleb Love finished at the rim and one, and he buries it. And so for me, getting off to that type of start against an overmatched opponent is just, you just put them out of their misery early. And I know, as I said, Citadel kind of fought back as Carolina was tinkering, but it was never in doubt. This game was going to be over and they set that tone from the beginning pack point number two. Let's talk about the bench depth. Um, the, the Tar Heels, listen, we we've talked a lot about this in the Hubert Davis era. Obviously it's not the Roy Williams era and everyone is painfully aware of it and sometimes gets pissed off about it. And that's just going to be what it's going to be. But as you said earlier in this game, Carolina has 42 bench points. Jackson Watkins buries a late game, like I think it was in the final minute, a three. Uh, yeah, it was under 30 seconds, in fact, to give Carolina exactly 100 points. It was an awesome moment. And so, um, Pac, how good is it? How helpful is it for this team to finally get into their entire bench? Well, it's very good. You know, I mean, I don't think that, correct me if I'm wrong, nobody had more than 30 minutes or even had, got to 30 minutes. Exactly. So. Caleb Love had the most 29 minutes, 21 seconds. First time all season, not a single player has hit 30. Yeah, that's huge. And, you know, it. Uh, I wish it would have been like that before this. Obviously, um, the way we played and injuries have kind of kept it from that. But now it seems like we may be finding a little bit of a rhythm. Um, so I hope that that, that, you know, is sustained and just for those guys to go come off the bench and perform the way that they did tonight is going to hopefully build some trust between them and coach Davis and them and their teammates, you know? Um, so if they can continue that even not, I mean, I don't expect them to drop 42 bench points a game, but if we can just get it to 20, you know, exactly. just some contribution, deep, not drop off defensively. And, you know, this was without De- DeMarco Dunn. And yeah, that's a great Somebody point. that's been playing well. So there's still more to come from the bench, I feel like. So, um, anyways, yeah, I mean, it's encouraging nonetheless. I just hope it's something that we can sustain over time um, and, and continue to build on. I think so. I, I think – I mean, we're going to find out very quickly because – you go Ohio State at Madison Square Garden on Saturday, uh, Michigan in Charlotte next Wednesday, and then ACC play after that. So uh, you're going to find out if if Coach Davis, if this is just a one-off because it's the worst team you played all year, or if it's a legitimate like, all right, it's time to see what we got and roll with it a little bit. We'll check out that on Saturday at MSG. It'll be interesting to see. All right, third of our four corners conversation recap is the free throw game. And I want to talk about it both in what Carolina did in this game and what they're doing season long. The Tar Heels uh, were 21 for 27 from the line in this game. (laughs) Also contrasted, Citadel only had five attempts and made just one of them. So blowing out your opponent at the line. And so I love to see Carolina's aggressiveness But I feel like it's not been there in recent years, but something about this season, Carolina's played 11 games. They have taken 20 or more free throw attempts in 10 of them. The only game when they had fewer than 20 was at Indiana. And even then they had 18. 
On top of that, they've made at least 16 free throws in 10 of 11 games. The only one they didn't was at Indiana where they hit 12. So they've made double-digit free throws in every game this season pack. And, and on top of it, it's not just about taking them. It's about making them. They're making them at a 75% clip. Oh, my word. This is – I looked at it earlier in the day, and I meant to write it down, but they are at very high – nationally in what they're doing both in getting to the line and in free throw percentage what kind of like how how beneficial is that to what they're trying to achieve well analytically speaking there's no better shot in basketball than free throw. <laughs> That's right. um, so i mean if you're making them at uh, a point you know a free throw is worth a point and you're making them at a 75 percent clip well then that's you know that averages out to over a point per possession so it's it's an awesome situation that we're getting to the free throw line a lot and that we're hitting them. Yeah. So, you know, and to me that just that has got to continue to be a you know, we've got to continue to make that a point within our team because that tells me that we're getting to the rim or that we're getting the ball inside. Mm. And if we're doing those two things, then naturally that's going to open up some other things. Um ideally, you know, the the kick out, catch and shoot three and other things of that nature. But long story short, it's just, a, it's, it's great to see a team, this team getting to the free throw line. Yeah. It's great to see them hitting them. Yeah. And it makes such a huge difference for us offensively when we do have that mentality of get to the rim, get to the line and let that, you know, that just let that, t- let that be kind of our um, identity offensively. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because I mean, I, and we're about to talk about this in a minute, but most of this season, the three point shot hasn't been falling. It did in a massive way in this game, but if you're not going to be scoring consistently from beyond the arc, you got to convert at a high level in close and you got to get to the line a bunch. And they did all of that in this game. Speaking of which we move into our fourth point of the four corners recap. And that is, there are these four stats that Carolina is often really strong at or has been recently under Hubert Davis and struggled with for at least some part of this season. That's three-point shooting, assist percentage, points in the paint, and rebounding numbers. Well, we've already talked about the ridiculous assist percentage in this game, but the one I want to hit on first is three-pointers. Finally, the floodgates opened and Carolina was 15 of 31 from three in this game. It's most in the game they've had this season. It's the highest percentage they've had in the game this season. And praise Jesus, it now brings them over 30% uh, on the season as a team. They had been below 30% uh, the past couple games. And so that is big. That's massive. Multiple people hit threes. I should have counted up who all hit threes. Pete Nance hit three, was three of four. Love, four of six. Davis, two of four. Nickel, three of eight. Styles one of two. McCoy, one of three. And Jackson Watkins, one of one. So you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different Tar Heels hit a three-pointer tonight. That is wonderful. Keep in mind, the two games before this, they had only made three total in each game. Uh, two other of the, the stats we had been watching where Carolina is is back improving now is rebounding. They out-rebounded the Citadel 47 to 31. And that was a, in, in the first half, it was laughable. Uh, Carolina 
um, had 10 offensive rebounds in the first half. The Citadel had 12 total. So that's what we were looking at. It just kind of changed in the second half. Carolina still won that by 16. And the other is points in the paint. Now, Carolina actually lost the points in the paint battle in this game, 38 to 26. But here's why. When 66 of your 100 points come from the three-point line and the free-throw line combined, there's only 33 points left, Pack <laughs> Like, what, what are we doing? You know, and so if you add UNC's 26 points in the paint to that 66, you got 92. Meaning, if, if we're talking efficiency and we're adding up uh, free-throws, close shot, like layups and threes, that's 92 of your 100 points, meaning you only had, I'd call it, eight inefficient points, which would actually, I've never thought about that. That'd be a great stat to keep, is what percentage of your points are inefficient points, non-freeze, threes, or layups. But um, even, so Carolina loses the points in the paint battle, but it's because they were um, doing a great job at the free throw line and beyond the arc in this game. I'm going to keep flying through because we're running a little short on time. And I want to get to our shady stat of the game and then have a big conversation about where we go from here. Shady stat of the game is twofold. And I want to go back to the depth idea for just a second. 17 Tar Heels played in this game. Some of them just a minute or two. And yet 14 of the 17 Tar Heels scored. No, maybe it was 13. I might be saying that wrong. Hang on. Who didn't have points? I'm I'm terrible at my own stat, <laughs> and that's no good. I spoke wrong. 13 of the 17 scored. Still insanely impressive. And here's the other thing. There were 12 players that played five-plus minutes. 11 of them had at least one rebound. And so, man, just you said it earlier, Pack, about everyone diving in, but the ability to see everyone contributing in various ways, whether it's assist, rebound, scoring, whatever it may be, just getting loose balls, that that was a team victory. I'm sh- I know there's going to be stuff on tape to go watch and fix, but boy, what an opportunity for the team. All right, here in just a second, what Pack and I are going to do with our remaining time is unpack this. I know it's the Citadel, and I know you say like, oh yeah, of course you're going to score 100, it's the Citadel. But there are great things to be learned and built on. And so I want to have a conversation with Pac in the coach's corner to ask, what does this mean? How can it be instructive for what Carolina will do against Ohio State and Michigan in the coming week? But before we do that, I need to tell you about Bet Online, which is your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball, soccer, and esports, they got it all at Bet Online. And in fact, make sure you check out the lines for Carolina's game against Ohio State on Saturday. You can head to the website today or you can use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Pac, so very seriously, I would say that over the past 92 minutes of game action, Carolina's been playing infinitely better, and I think none none more so than in this game against the Citadel. And, and by 92 minutes, I mean the final 12 minutes of the Virginia Tech game where they came back, the, the 40 minutes against Georgia Tech, I felt like they played a, a pretty complete game on Saturday against Georgia Tech, and then these 40 minutes. And so even though it's it's just the Citadel, what what can you take away from this performance to set you up to go into Madison Square Garden and get your first quad one win of the season? 
you know, a lot of these games are, are confidence builders. And mm. to me, that's just exactly what this is. This is, you know, us kind of getting our bearings about us after that long road trip. Yeah. And yeah. we go, we, like you said, we played a complete game against Georgia Tech. That was building block number one. Then we go and do exactly what we're supposed to do tonight. Right. Like, that's right. That in itself is refreshing. And we got um, <laughs> the ball, we got to see the ball go through the basket. Yep. We got, we rebounded well. We did a lot. We shared the ball well. It's just a confidence booster. And so to me, I think that's kind of where you start. Like, th- that's, you know, that's a great building block. I don't know how much you can, how much can you take away from Citadel, who's, no offense, Citadel, you're just not very good. Um, you know, and we kind of, maybe I'm a little hesitant. I took away probably too much from the Johnson C. Smith game, right? <laughs> I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, man, we look amazing. <laughs> and then we don't. And so now I, I don't want to over exaggerate. I don't want to be like, oh, we've, we're, we've got everything fixed. Absolutely. I'm not saying that. I do think, though, that we're headed in the right direction. And I think that's I think that's the way to say it, Pac. I think that's a very appropriate. It's not an underreaction, but it's certainly not an overreaction, right? Like because you're getting what you need to get. I mean, you look. At, I was looking at Ken Palm a little bit ago. Carolina's defensive efficiency is is still just 60th in the nation, but they're up to number nine in offensive efficiency. They're a top 10 offense right now in how they're operating. That is super encouraging to me. And, and somebody that we haven't even touched on yet in terms of like steps in the right direction. One of the things that I had said on yesterday's show on Tuesday is this is a prime opportunity to get Jalen Washington good minutes because I think he's going to be necessary in the front court down the stretch. And that's exactly what I mean. He didn't get a ton, six, 629 right at six and a half minutes, but um, he showed a will like I think it's just as an athlete starting to trust your body again after multiple injuries. Right. And so, I mean, he was going to block shots. He was mixing it up in the paint, showing off that soft touch. He hit a, a shot pretty similar to the one he hit against Georgia tech, uh, made a couple free throws. And so um, I was really glad to get him minutes. And I know there's other guys that got minutes that typically haven't obviously best game so far of Tyler Nichols career, 18 and a half minutes, five of 10 from the field, three of eight from three, three of three from the line, 16 points. I mean, second leading tied with Pete Nance for the second leading score right behind Caleb Love. And so um, I think perhaps for those two guys in particular, this is a massive game. And, and because I wouldn't be surprised now, Ohio State's, I think, if I remember correctly, I'm going to do a full preview on Friday's show, but I think like Zed Key, their main front court guy is a little undersized. And so if you can rotate through, Baycott, Nance, and Washington and just kind of overwhelm them, that, that's huge. And so I, I'm really encouraged by that. Now, how do you shift your mindset from this was a game like Mondo could have gotten 40 and 20 in this game if he wanted to. How do you shift your mindset from we could do anything we want in this game to against Ohio State, it's, it's jumping right back up to a completely different level of opposition and so how do we get our mind back into that atmosphere i mean is it simply by walking into madison square garden you realize it or you know how does that come to be i'm sure that walking into madison square garden is uh uh it'll get you focused i mean what an awesome atmosphere (laughs) but uh you know i think when you talk about you know switching your focus and getting ready for your next opponent you know for us yeah i mean 
we do have to focus on Ohio State. I don't want I don't want anyone to mishear me, but to me, I think we just got to continue to hone in and focus right. on yep. what we do and continuing to improve upon that. You know, and like I said, we've taken strides, um, and and Ohio State on Saturday is going to be it's going to really reveal to us how how far those strides have been. You know, and like. Obviously, they're going to put forth a better defensive effort than what the Citadel did, and it's going to be tougher to dominate the boards. But in that toughness of competition, in that stiffness of competition, are we going to continue to share the ball well? Are we going to continue to crash the boards? Are we going to continue to be tough defensively? So, anyways, those things to me just – that's something you've got to keep an eye on, but the focus – I don't know that it shifts that much. It's got to be about us and being – Mm. crisp and successful in what we do. Yeah, boy, that's good. And and just I'm just looking at Ohio State's numbers really quick. They are a very similar team to Carolina in terms of third in the nation in offensive efficiency per Ken Palm and 80th in defensive efficiency. So Carolina's not quite as good at offensive efficiency as they are, but they're better uh, by, by 20 right now in defensive efficiency. But they're going to be two similar teams really trying to score a bunch should be fun. And, and what I said about the front line, I mean, they're going six, 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 eight across the front line. And so uh, Nance and Baycott could potentially have a field day and Carolina needs to use that to their advantage. I thought they did that, a great job with that to, in, in um, Tuesday night's game, uh, really working hard to get paint touches consistently for Baycott when he was in there. Man, Pack, it's going to be a fun lead up to this game. For those who uh, have been diving in with us, just as a reminder, I'm actually going to be there in New York with my family uh, celebrating Christmas in the city. A lot of fun. And uh, just so happens the Tar Heels are playing a basketball game too. So would love to see you and meet you if you are going to be there. Uh, please keep submitting. I've got some great submissions for Friday's Heel of the Week and Heel of the Week. Would love to see what you come up with for that. Ah, folks, always great to be together. I just feel a sense of relief after this basketball game. I hope you're all breathing a little bit better, too. I've been promising you, man, this team is going to get it together, and they did. I hope they will keep doing it on Saturday. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to have some football talk with Anthony Pagnata and Josh Marlowe as we're just still trying to figure out what all's going on, offensive coordinator and all of those things. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow our guy Pack at Coach underscore K23. Follow me at Isaac Shade. As always, you can email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. For your next listen of the day, check out Locked on Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. If you would, subscribe to the show, smash the like button, leave some comments on your thoughts on this dominant performance. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on a Wednesday talking Carolina basketball. Until tomorrow, remind you it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll talk then. Peace.